I want to introduce to you 2024, the year of opportunity. Amen? Yeah. Now, what's so fascinating about the year of opportunity is there was a lot that went into it behind the scenes. And I want to kind of bring you into that loop. So not only did a number of us as pastors and teachers, we went away and we do this every year. We go away onto a retreat and we try to pray and discern what God wants us to talk about. We figure out the theme, we try to figure out what's going on that God kind of gives us attention to, and then how do we preach into that? How do we teach into that? What books cover that concept? Not only do we do that, but I'm gonna suggest to you that the Lord had been planning that since December of 2022. I'm gonna tell you why. So let's go all the way back to that December. Now, I have a, a couple buddies uh, that operate in the prophetic. Now, everybody needs weird friends, amen? Amen, yeah, so I may be your weird friend, you're welcome, right? But everybody needs weird friends. I got weird friends. Uh, and John and Eric, they, they actually do bike rides of praying. They just pray together and they'll bike ride through neighborhoods, pray over the neighborhood. They pray over Bridgeway. And now they're serving in different churches. One of them is part of my intercessor team for just years and years. But as they were kind of praying through, they both received a vision at the same time of, different, of the exact same image, and it was about Bridgeway. So they said, uh, Pastor, we would love to come bring you a gift. Now, you have to understand, I get weird stuff. I don't know what it is about Christians, but we give weird presents, right? And so they came in and they scheduled an appointment and they brought in what looked like a small aquarium covered with a sheet. And I was like, heck no, right? If this is a severed head, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, they're like, oh, it's prophetic. I'm like, well, it's a dead person. Anyway, I didn't know if it was a scorpion. I didn't know what was in this cage, right? So a little unsettled. And so I stood back and, and I, I allowed them to do the reveal, right? And they open, I opened up the sheet and actually this is what it was. I have a picture of it. Now, what that is, is it's a model of an aircraft carrier. Now, it's a specific aircraft carrier, but when John put it together, it was the first uh, plastic model he had put together. He normally works with metal. Uh, the base of it was, was actually hand-built by a member of our worship team. And so it had not only personal meaning to it, they said, Pastor, when we were praying for the church, we both received the vision of an aircraft carrier. They said, if you look at our property, so the back fence is a straight line, and then it goes out into a point, very similar to how an aircraft carrier is shaped. And they said, you know, we look at all the thousands of people on Bridgeway and we're on mission. And what we both received from the Lord was that there is mission coming in for a respite, people coming in and getting healed from the Lord. There's people taken off, being launched out. We are a regional force, meaning we're providing protection for the region. People, other boats and other churches have a little bit more ability to be nimble and turn. You know, we have this big old huge, it takes a while to turn. That makes change a lot harder for us. But we have the ability to be a presence and a support to everyone else. And that's always been our vision. Amen? Yeah, that's good. It's why we have other pastors come and teach here, why we resource and support other churches, because we believe they're all one big family. Well, I just thought, wow, that is a really powerful 
visual. And so it's been on my coffee table in my office ever since. And it wasn't because I was trying to do a nautical theme or anything like that. It was that it meant something to me because it talked about our purpose. So let's fast forward to last year, mid-year. Um, Every Saturday evening before services and Sunday morning before services, I have a prayer team that meets with me and we pray for the church, we pray for fresh anointing, we pray for you. We pray for the little babies in the back, we pray for the youth, right? It's our job is to cover you guys afresh each set of days. So, and it's a different prayer team for each day. So I'm praying with two, two of the ladies and one of them, they've been with us for 19 years and Melissa Duick is her name and she operates as well in the prophetic and she was praying. Now, when she prayed the prayer I'm about to mention, I mentioned it to her later and she didn't even remember praying it. It wasn't like it was a big deal to her, but it was a huge deal to me. And here's what she prayed. You see, she prayed, Lord, all this time of us going through all these changes and adjustments over the last 10 years, she said, Lord, I believe that you have built us for this time and we are no longer preparing the ship. We are now in the water and we are now sailing. Now she moves on. Now to me, that resonated because the last 10 years, you know, prior to last year, the prior 10 years, pretty rough, right? Because I needed to make some changes at Bridgeway to more align us with what I saw in scripture. So it was things like we needed to learn more about the supernatural. We needed to talk more about diversity and allow a greater view of God's kingdom in our midst. We needed to work on things like allowing women into leadership. There was stuff that we were talking about compassion for people around us. There were some changes we had to make and they were very difficult. So it was a very exhausting time. So when I heard the word, we're in the water, and we're not trying to just and tinker with it and all that, we can actually just be who we are. I got so excited because it took a weight off my chest. So I marked it in my mind as special. I started telling my leadership team, told the elders about it, stuff like that. So fast forward a little bit. I'm in a board meeting for, with a bunch of pastors from other churches, and this comes to mind. I said, you guys, I was so encouraged just by hearing this that this this lady prayed this over our church, and I thought this was amazing. About four or five weeks later, I get a package delivered to my office. It looked like it was going to be a painting, right? And this is actually what it was. I unpacked it, and this is what it was. Now, here's what's interesting about it. Uh, it came with a letter, and it was a gift from Banning Liebscher from Jesus Culture. And here's what he wrote. He said, Lance, when you mentioned that someone had given you a word that your ship was in the water, my heart was stirred. I believe it was the word of the Lord for you and your church right now. The season you've been in is over and it's time to sail. I felt I was to send you this gift as a prophetic statement. What God has been doing is equipping you for war. He has not built a sailboat, but a warship, but not just a warship, a hospital ship sent to rescue and heal thousands. The ship in the picture is the SS Hope originally a U.S. Naval hospital ship. It was donated to Project Hope in 1958, and it served as the first peacetime civilian floating hospital ship with 150 nurses and 100 doctors who taught and helped around the world. It was retired in 1974. My friend, I can't wait to see all that God does. I'm cheering you on, praying for you, and believing that the days ahead for your church are going to be beyond anything you can think or imagine. 
This last season has simply been the Lord building a ship that is about to impact thousands upon thousands, and that ship is officially in the water, in your corner, banning. How awesome is that, right? Now, what's so special about what's written on the side of that ship is that 26 and a half years ago, I walked into a little baby church, and that church was called Roseville Hope. The whole idea of hope on the ship is where we began and where I got a chance to walk in. That's Bridgeway. We've never been any different. We've always been the same church. The idea that we would be a hope for the region, the idea that this would be a house of healing, the idea that we are out to destroy the enemy but protect God's people has always been our mission. And so what I'm here to tell you is that we are in the water and we're out doing our vision. You get a chance to be a part of that. Every single one of us are a part of that. This is our mission. This is not the mission of the leadership. This is every one of us, that we are the ones that change the region around us. We, collectively, as Bridgeway, are the ones that impact people for the kingdom of God. We're the ones that go out and actively love people. We're the ones that are following the Lord and moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. We are the church. When we walk out of here, we are the church. And I believe that God is always communicating to his people. I believe he is always working around us. The only question is whether we're tracking on it. What this year is about is tracking on the voice and movement of God. What we're going to be talking about all year is being alert to the movement of God and joining him in what he's doing, because I think it will make a difference. Would you turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6? If you're brand new to us, grab a Bible under the seat in front of you. If you don't have one, you're going to be turning to page 975. 975, it's the book of Galatians. The Bible is actually a compilation of 66 books. One of them is called Galatians. It's super far to the right in your Bibles. Galatians 6, we're going to start halfway through verse 7, but our focus will be verse 10, and it's a passage I'm going to highlight throughout the year as kind of one of our foundation verses. Here's what it says. Whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Here's the key, verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. This is our chance, y'all, to partner with God to change the world. The entire Bible is a collection of stories of God giving mankind opportunities to partner with him, to make a massive difference. Give you a quick brief run through, a survey. Noah, yes, gets this opportunity from God to build a boat. It has never rained. What a stupid job. I think he was probably happy he said yes, right? Because he did build a boat and it happened to carry forward the people of God when the rest were wiped out. Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son. God never wanted a dead child. What God wanted was a sold out person. And when he found out that Abraham was willing to say yes, he was also the father of the Jewish people. 
I'm talking about uh, Joseph. You guys know, Joseph made the most of opportunities of God even when his life was falling apart. He made the most of the opportunities being in prison for something he didn't do. It didn't matter his scenario. He always looked for the hand of God. He always was available. He always did what was right. King David and King Saul had opportunities. One blew it, one didn't. I mean, as a matter of fact, it's perspective, is it not? Israel saw a giant in Goliath. David saw a blasphemer. And he had to be shut down. That's how it works. You see, sometimes it comes in ways and we just say, you know what, that's probably not my job. Gideon became one of Israel's greatest warriors. But he didn't see himself that way. He saw himself as a scared guy who just wanted to avoid problems. But God saw something greater for him. And it gave him an opportunity to follow one of the worst battle plans of all time. And he did it, and it led to the victory for Israel. You just have to understand, sometimes Peter blew it, sometimes Peter didn't. You just begin to realize the whole Bible is collections of God saying, I'm going to do something amazing, do you want to come with me? Do you want to come on this journey? Do you want to come on a mystery tour with me? Sometimes people said yes. But I think probably the most famous of all opportunity stories in the Bible is Esther. Yeah? If you don't know this story, here's how it goes. A young girl, let's guess she's about 14. She's always been stunningly beautiful. That was an opportunity. Unfortunately, it could have been her downfall. It could have grabbed unwanted attention. But she chose to use it in the right way. She allowed her inside to be more beautiful than her outside. She didn't have any parents. The Bible doesn't say why. But she was raised by a cousin who became her adopted dad. His name was Mordecai. He worked for the king, but he was a man of God, and she got a chance to grow up in a household like that. Now, it doesn't mean he always made the right choices, right? Because sure enough, the king of the Persian nation had a blow up with his queen. The queen was out. That made an opportunity for a new one. So they came up with the worst dysfunctional American Idol pageant concept Y'all know what I'm talking about? Because they're like, let's go find a 14-year-old for this old king. Ew, right? Well, sure enough, she was brought into the process. She handled it incredibly with grace, handled it with humility, got the attention of everybody, and she ended up winning that competition. She's now in the presence of the king, for good or for bad. Mordecai happens to accidentally hear about an assassination plot for the king. He says, Esther, you gotta tell your dude, she goes in, tells him it's blown up, and now suddenly they're in the good king's graces. Well, then all of a sudden, the right hand of the man comes up with a plot to kill all Jews worldwide, a genocide plot. Mordecai comes to his adopted daughter, and he says, you have to do something. She said, I am terrified. If I do this, I'm going to die. And then he sent her this message. You probably remember this. It's pretty famous. Here's what he wrote. Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom 
for such a time as this. The most interesting fact about the book of Esther is it never mentions the name of God once. Why is that fascinating? Because his fingerprints are on every line of every page. You see, here's the thing. You may not see that God is moving in your life. You keep calling it coincidence. You keep calling it accident. What I'm here to tell you is he's moving all over you. There is a reason why you're born in this generation, in this location. There's a reason you're here, amen? Yes, and it's your job to be God's man and woman in this time. There's a reason why you're in the job you're in. There's a reason why you're in the church you're in. There's a reason why you have the struggles you have. What I'm telling you is God is all over you, and he's always been with you. Amen? Amen. Once we begin to get our eyes to see, we can't unsee it. If you're a note taker, I'm going to give you a couple lists and we'll get out of here this morning and go be the church. But I want you to write down a couple notes here. The first thing I want to write, uh, have you write down is three reasons why this is so important we get involved in this. Why we learn to track on God. Why we learn to hear his voice. Why we learn to say yes. Why is this so critical? I'm going to give you three reasons. There's probably a ton. Write this down. Number one, honor his name. Honor his name. The whole point of us being here is relationship with God and glory to his name. We are not here for us. We are here for the glory of God. If we're not doing that, what the heck are we doing, right? Honor to his name. Have you ever asked yourself this question? What part of my life makes God smile? Not how has God used me despite me and I was all resistant, but he did it anyway. I'm talking about what part of your life does God just to get to use easy? where you partner with him. We don't resist, we just partner, right? Write down number two. Number two, greater purpose and meaning in life. Greater purpose and meaning in life. Everybody wants their lives to matter. Nobody ever wants on their tombstone, wasted it and loved it. (laughs) That's a lame tombstone. On their deathbed, everybody wants to know that it mattered and they mattered. There is nothing more important than partnering with God to do eternal things. Any partnership you ever do with God, you will not regret. It's always right. He's always right. Write down number three, a deeper relationship with God. A deeper relationship with God. You guys, life is too difficult to not be with God on a daily basis in a personal way. That's the bottom line. And too many of us live as if God is silent and distant. He is not. We simply need to recognize it. The way human beings bond is by shared experience and communication. Once we tap into that and begin to see God in our everyday, he feels personal. And then when human beings leave us, he never does. When human beings fail us, he never does. This is why this is so important. So how do we do it? How do we track on him? How do we hear him? That's what this whole year is going to be about. But I think it has to do with, first of all, the right perspective and some good choices. And so that's what we're going to lean into. So I want to talk about perspective for a moment. How do we walk into God opportunities? I think there's three ways that our perspective needs to be dialed in. Number one, the right worldview. The right worldview. We cannot see this world centered around us or we're gonna live very tiny lives. Centered around God, that's gonna expand everything. 
We are not God, but we serve a great God that gives us tremendous opportunity, right? And when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about experiencing God and offering to him the only thing we can offer. What do you give to a king who has everything? We can only offer our hearts, our lives, and our praise. That's pretty much all we got. So how are we doing that? By saying, yes, we need the right worldview. Number two, we need the right heart. Communicating to a distracted person, communicating to a resistant person doesn't do anything. I mean, you can try to talk all day long. God could communicate all day long, but if you're too distracted with your own stuff to listen to him, he's not gonna get through. And if you finally hear him and you are weighing whether or not you should obey him, you are not a servant, you're a competing king. You understand what I'm talking about? Servants say yes. Competing kings say, let me think about it. No, 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 no. We are servants. We have to have the right heart. We have to be alert, but we have to be humble. We are not here for us. We're here for him. Third thing I see is we need the right mindset. If we do not believe that maturing and transforming is a thing, we're not going to look for it. If you don't believe that you can grow spiritually, if you don't believe that you can become something more than you are today, you're not gonna take advantage of the opportunities you have in front of you. Because you're gonna think, well, this is it. I just live in this world and I have what I have. No, you discover your spiritual gifts, you hone your spiritual gifts, and you walk in the power and authority of Jesus Christ. That's what we do, amen? The more we realize that the Holy Spirit's ready to go tear stuff up, now we start getting excited. And so then we realize we have a warrior God and as our mind keeps blowing over and over and over again, we start to see there are exciting things to live for and I can be a part of something that matters, right? So in order, and and part of what our job up here on the stage, especially the teaching team, the job that we bring to you is to blow your mind. Our job is to keep bringing the word of God, which is much higher than any of our opinions, right? When God starts talking, it's way over our heads. You have to remember, any teacher up here is just trying to catch up, right? It's not like we're the experts. We're just telling you what we're trying to learn, right? But our job is to bring the word of God to you so that your mind expands out and sees it the way God sees it. So in order to do that, we're going to cover three Bible books this year. The first one that's a seven-part series that kicks off next week has never been taught in the history of Bridgeway. I have taught all but two books in the entire Bible. This is one I haven't taught. So if you've been with me for 26 and a half years, You ain't never heard this one. There's a reason I've been avoiding it. We're going to cover the book of Ezekiel. In seven-part series, what we're going to do is we've taken taken the whole entire book of Ezekiel and broke it apart and found the natural seven themes of all the book of Ezekiel and put it back together into a series. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna hear every new fresh thought that Ezekiel has, every message God was trying to give, but we're not gonna follow the repetitive way that he says it 13 times. That's usually the hard part about the book of Ezekiel. What you'll notice about Ezekiel is Ezekiel is actually that book. I don't know if any of you have ever seen online when artists try to draw what angels really look like. Has anybody ever seen those? And it just freaks you out and you don't wanna go to sleep. Okay. That is all from Ezekiel, 
okay? He saw the weirdest stuff, right? No LSD, no tripping. He saw it, right? God just, whoa, pulled back the curtain and he's like, ah, right? And he tried to describe it. The reason why that matters so much is he realized there was a reality greater than his reality. So what we're going to find out is everything we touch and see is not as real as where God lives. And if that is true, then your resources are not limited the way you think they are limited. Your abilities are not limited by here on earth. You're actually tapped into the divine. That allows whole different things to happen. So what we're gonna have in Ezekiel is our minds expanded out and go, oh my gosh, I had no idea. That's our first job. The 34-part series that follows it is walking through the book of Mark. Mark is the action gospel. And what we need to learn in the book of Mark is nobody made more use of opportunity than Jesus Christ walking this planet. Three-year ministry crushes it, changes the world in three years. Jesus was the one that walked around and kept inviting people into opportunity. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Come check this out and do something with me. Come and I will empower you and I will anoint you and I will include you. That's the life of Jesus. Jesus saw the whole world around him as opportunity. Look, a fig tree. That reminds me of this message I would love to share with you. He saw whenever people disrupted him, he didn't see it as a problem. He saw it as a divine opportunity. He had a certain way of looking at the world that didn't see problems. He saw people, and he began to minister to people. That's our job. We got to learn how to look through his lens on a daily basis. And then we're going to close out the year in a three-part series in the book of Jonah, learning what happens when God gives you an opportunity and you say no. Spoiler alert, it smells better if you say yes. Amen? All right. If you don't know that story, it's a good one. All right? It's very similar to the book of Pinocchio. Let's move on. Now, all that... I can present out to you. I can present out to you opportunity, information, paradigm shift. What I cannot change in you is your choices. You deciding to show up, you deciding to engage, you deciding to live out what we talk about here, you deciding to be a Christian at home as well as at church, you deciding to have personal time with God, you deciding to serve. I can't make any of those decisions for you. Those are all on you. Those are all between you and your Lord. But I'm here to tell you that we have a lot of opportunities around this church. We got classes that hit topics. We got workshop that hit topics. We got groups that you can do life with, with people. We got events that are fun to connect. We got a million things. We have so many things that we've just launched a new page on our website, bridgeway.church forward slash opportunity. It's going to be a reminder to you of everything we have available. But I got to tell you, when you begin to serve here and you begin to serve other people in your life, when you begin to spend time with Jesus quietly on your own, everything changes. Everything begins to change. So we have a lot of opportunity. Listen, my life is a conglomeration of me scratching and clawing to learn. What do I mean? I learned very early in my life that I'm not a good maintainer. I'm a good builder. What I do not do is hold something steady. That's actually a weakness of mine. 
what I do is I make things that are not yet there. And knowing that as a young person, what I realized is for me to spiritually grow, I always had to be in a learning growth mode, which meant this. The minute I became good at anything spiritually, I had to flip the page. So for example, let's say I was really good at Bible study. Great, now I gotta talk about prayer because maybe I was terrible at prayer. Now I'm a little baby again. Now I gotta scratch and claw my way up. The minute I start getting my head wrapped around prayer, boom, I'm in apologetics. Now I gotta learn how everything works. Once I'm good at apologetics, boom, flip it again. It's now evangelism and I'm terrible at it. Then you flip it again, it's supernatural. I haven't walked in the supernatural, then you flip it again. My whole life has been flipping the pages of being a baby, scratching and clawing, trying to grow. What that does is it allows me to holistically grow, but I can only focus on one thing at a time. What I'm trying to tell you is it's making use of opportunity. If there's a class in front of me that I feel like the Lord has resonated in my spirit, I take it. If there's an education that I need, I go get it. If there's an opportunity to start a relationship with somebody that can help me out in that area, I begin it. But you have to say yes to the opportunity. That's just kind of how it works, right? This is our chance to grow. This is our chance to become who God built us to be. I'm gonna give you one more story as we kind of wrap up here, and it's, it's a story not to highlight my goodness, but to highlight possibility. So, a couple things, if you're brand new here, now if you, most of you have all been with me for a really long time, so this is not new to you, but I'm a nerd. And it's really important that I confess it out to you because if you find out on accident, you'll be horrified and leave the church. So here's the truth. I have all these stupid hobbies. I'm a little treasure hunter. I love comic books and I love like collecting figures and all this stupid stuff. It's really what my wife calls trash. <laughs> but I have a lot of it, praise God, all right? So, and I am super golem about it, right? I'm just like, my precious, you know, it's really weird. Don't get between me and a comic book. It's very unsettling, right? And, I, and I, I'm telling you, just take my word for it. Don't look into it. It's just, it'll make you sad. But anyway, because of those hobbies, I frequent stores with people that we'll say are a little different, okay? The people that work at and frequent the stores I go to are kind of outcasts. They're kind of, they look different, they act different, they are different, right? I mean, in a lot of weird, extreme ways right? And I refer to them as my people, okay? So anyone that's like an outcast or a little bit off, I'm kind of like, yeah, that's my person, <laughs> woo! Okay? So I tend to gravitate towards that. So over the years, I've been going to some stores that, that uh, kind of have this team that, that works there, and I've just developed relationships over the years. Different times while I'm looking for stuff, I start up a conversation. I get to learn stuff about their lives, this person, they're a little bit on the spectrum, and so I work with them and talk about their history and their life. This person I know is struggling financially. This person, because we're just around each other. And the reason why this matters is that I can't imagine anyone on that staff is over 28. I'm over 28. <laughs> so I already stand out. I'm like average white dude, middle-aged, and I come into that place, and they're all looking like, okay, what's this guy going to do? And I pay attention to them. 
I'm maybe the only one that looks like me that has ever paid attention to them. I think they've, a lot of them have had an awful lot of rejection in their life, and they've had to live pretty isolated lives because they see the world through a very different lens. So my job is to be present with them, and my job is to bless them. So I was in about a week and a half ago in the store, and one of them, the rest of the team was there too, but one of them was just doing unusual amounts to try to bless me and take care of me. They were like, hey, can I get something from the back for you? Can I do this for you? It was way over the top customer service, right? And, and not asking for anything from me, just being really cool about everything. And I was like, well, I wonder how I could bless them. So I'm hanging out with another member of their team. And so I asked the question, because I noticed their schedule. I'm like, they only get a half hour for their meal times, And I'm like, dude, I can't, yes, I'll eat in a half hour. But what I'm saying is that you have to drive and go get it. So I said, hey, where do you guys get dinner? Where do you guys get dinner around here? Well, they thought I was asking for me. So they gave me a list. They were like, well, I go here, but this person over here is a vegetarian, so they go here, and then we kind of go here, because they're trying to help me out. So anyway, I paid for what we were buying, and I said to Andy when we got in the car, my daughter, I said, let's go to those places right now. We went to every one of them. There's five of them. There's five on staff, went to five locations they mentioned, got $20 gift cards at all of them, came back, dropped them on the counter, said, dinner's on me. Now, the whole reason I did that was that I told my daughter as we left, always love loudly. Talk about Jesus gently. Why? Because our society has distorted the name of Jesus. So I need a relationship in order to create that name as a safe space. But nobody gets hurt when you love loudly. So we went in. I didn't wait around for them to thank me. I didn't wait for credit. I didn't wait for any of that stuff. I dropped it and bailed because how many of them have a parent in their life that would do that for them? Once again, I don't look like them. I don't act like, well, I act like them. I don't, <laughs> let's be honest here, okay? <laughs> a lot, we're a lot more similar than we are different. But it was this idea. Now, this is what I need you to hear, have you here. Nobody got saved that day. Nobody said, oh my gosh, a gift card to Fa is gonna change my life. How do I know Jesus as my Lord and Savior? Nobody said that. As a matter of fact, that wasn't the point. This is not a bait and switch. This is not a, I'll do this if you do that. It was simply the worst, I knew that the worst that could happen is they felt loved on. That's the worst that could happen. And who knows down the road, if there's ever an opportunity that they're gonna say, hey, is there anything that you can help me with? Great, I'm gonna be there. But outside of that, I just let them be them, right? Because I'm there to love on them. But it's about the opportunity. You guys, where did I get the idea to do that? I was literally just shopping, doing my thing, and the thought went bloop right in my head. That's not my idea. That was the Holy Spirit's idea. Now, I got a choice. I either pull the trigger on it and do something with it, or I don't. I happened to have that somebody had given me a gift of 100 bucks in my wallet. Why not flip that? Somebody gave it to me. I gave it to them. So what? The whole point is, great, sow seeds of opportunity. And it's in an everyday, normal way 
that wasn't super Christian, I don't know whether they know I'm a pastor or not, right? Word probably got out, right? But I don't know. We don't talk about it. I'm just tall, spiky-haired, weird, nice guy. That's it, and that's all I need to be, amen? You guys, we're going to close in prayer, and there's a couple things I want to pray for. I will pray as an anointing over our prayer team. I'm going to have them come in a moment. But I need to pray that our eyes are open to see, our ears are open to hear. But I do want to pray for your assignment. Everybody has a homework assignment. You ready? There's a homework assignment this week. I mean, excuse me, this year. I want you to bring one person to church that has never been here before. One person in a year. You guys, help me help you. I am just pushing this bar as low as possible. But there's a way I want you to do it. Here's the way I want you to do it. I don't want you to start the conversation. I want you to pray for that person and pray for that person and pray for that person. When God moves upon them to have an open desire, maybe they're struggling in their life and they need a safe place to go, They need a place that can be loved on. They need something, and they ask you, you have a place ready. I don't need you pushing anything down anybody's throat. I don't need you being awkward. I don't need any of that stuff. You pray for them, you love on them, and if they want to come, you let them go with you. Does that make sense? Here's the weird thing about that. You would go, well, come on, one person in a year. For all the introverts, you're already sweating right? Totally, right? And the extroverts are like, I'll do it by noon, okay? Unfortunately, it's past noon, you guys. Okay, (laughs) and here's the funny. Some of you guys invited people today. You're such overachievers. Wait for the assignment. What's wrong with you? Gosh, I didn't even get to say what it was, and you're already doing it. So the truth of the matter is that we're just gonna say, Lord, use me. I'm gonna present it out, what do you wanna do? Who's my person, God? I know I gotta bring somebody here. Here's the weird thing about it. Do you realize that if all of us brought one person this year, that is 4,500 people going to church that have never gone to church before? I understand, you look around, you only see your service. We got a lot of these. And in addition, we have an awful lot of people online. What I'm telling you is we have the ability to change our community just by loving. That's what we're going to do. Let's pray. Could I have the prayer team come on up here and just stand up here? I'm going to pray an anointing over you, and we'll get out of here. Heavenly Father, we lift up our hearts to you, and we say that you are King Jesus. We say that you're the one that's in charge of this church. Everything that we do is in service to you. When you say go, we go. When you say stop, we stop. Holy Spirit, we know that your ways are brilliant. Your ways are creative. We want to already have a prepared yes for you. Lord, may you open our eyes and unstop our ears so that we would be able to see what you're doing, hear what you're saying. God, who's our one person? Who is that? Bring them to mind now. Maybe we got to wait a little bit. We haven't even met them yet. But God, may we do so in a gentle, sweet, and winsome way. May we do so in a way that would bless them and not harm them. May we do so in a way that would make you smile.
God, every single one of us have so many people in our sphere of influence that need love, they need to be cared for, they need freedom, they need purpose. So God, would you just put them on our heart and then open the doors that we might be able to have the right conversation. God, I pray for our prayer team that is up here and all those that are in waiting that God, that you would anoint this altar afresh, that in 2024, that they are the ambassadors for heaven, that they are freshly equipped, freshly anointed, ready to go to pray breakthrough. That Lord, that anyone that approaches your altar here in this church, and I'm praying for the altars of the youth room, the altar of the kids way areas. I'm talking about any altar on our campus. When any of us approach you, may your ear be attentive to our cry. May your arm be strong in moving the world. May you sift and sort our needs to what is right and good. But would you allow this team to have extra compassion, extra power, and extra patience. Lord, that we might be able to go forward and know that we're being cared for. That someone else would help carry our burden for a moment. God, would you bless this church as we sail out of the harbor in 2024 to go change the world with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a wonderful weekend.